0: Welcome to the Total Suckers Show. My name is... Daryl Grove, and I'm joined by a man who always had faith that the U.S. under-20s would beat France. His name is Taylor Rockwell. Hello. Hello. I should yes Andrew,
1: but no, I did not. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you no-butted me.
1: Uh, yeah, pretty much, because there was a moment in this game where I thought this could get ugly very, very quickly. Yeah. In the end, it did not. The United States defeated France in the U-20 World Cup in the knockout round, 3-2. Yep. They advanced to play Ecuador in the next round.
0: In the quarterfinal, I believe. Mm-hmm. Yes, okay, so that's very exciting. Also,
1: spoiler alert.
0: Also spoiler alert. I mean, you knew what you were getting into when you clicked play on this, right? One would hope. Hopefully, yeah. Unless there's an autoplay situation in which case we apologize. <laughs> um, we should do before we get into the game, we yeah. should maybe review our preview. Sure. If that makes sense. Mm-hmm. It, it wasn't on the Total Suck Show podcast it was not. feed. We appeared on Jimmy Conrad's show. We I've got to say, that was a fun show to be on. Jimmy's a really good host. He is, because... If he has a party, I would like to be invited, because he's a good host.
1: <laughs> yeah, <all right. laughs> that, 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 makes that makes sense to me. Uh, I think it's it's similar to a thing I talked to you about uh, off-air, about like the Top Door Soccer show that Travis and I did last week, yeah. where I have conflicted feelings about this team, and I could see how they could be at a very good team, I could see how it could go very poorly, and, and I have a hard time sort of deciding which of those I think is going to happen. Yeah. And I still had that kind of conflict heading into that uh, conversation with Jimmy Conrad. So, yes, he's a very good host because he was able to kind of pull coherent thoughts out of me uh, <laughs> at a time when I was feeling a little bit conflicted about this team. If
0: only I could do the same. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so, my prediction yeah. on Jimmy's show was that the U.S. would play really well and mm-hmm. right? like have some possession and look good, but ultimately would fall to France. It was the exact opposite. It the was. US- Honestly, played kind of poorly in long stretches mm-hmm. and looked kind of rough.
1: And I know one of us and made a prediction about that. And somehow
0: came away with a three-two
1: win. Yes. Was was
0: that your feeling of what would happen? Yeah,
1: I, I, I said. I, I believe I said that. I felt like if the United States were going to advance, it was going to be because they were defensive and bunkered and then countered and kind of won ugly. Is, yes.
0: Are you right though? Was the US did the US bunker in this game? I'm not sure they did. Think, they, they tried to press a few I think, times. I think
1: they tried to it on occasion, yeah. and I think it didn't work. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I mean, no. I think it was more so that my anticipation was that they would probably not be quite as aesthetically pleasing as we would have liked if they were That's going accurate. to win. If, yeah. they, if I think where I settled on was like, but I would be okay with them just kind of going at France and trying things and seeing if maybe something happens, yeah. and if they lose, they lose. But where I think we all settled was it's supposed to be a development tournament at the you end of the day. Yeah. yeah, And so even if you lose but you play a certain style and you kind of get experience playing that style in a knockout round game – then that's to your benefit. I'm not saying that, therefore, this wasn't to the U.S.'s benefit because, obviously, advancing in a knockout competition is always an exciting thing. Makes me feel good. But it definitely leaves me feeling conflicted again. I'm kind of where I was at the beginning of the day.
0: Okay, so, yeah, I think... Can we agree that it wasn't necessarily a coherent performance? Yes. You couldn't say the U.S. pressed the whole time Mm -mm. successfully. You couldn't say the U.S. sort of had a 4-1, 4-1 defensive shape that France really struggled to break down. No. Because that did not happen. You there certainly were a not of French, French movement was really good. Players were always yeah. open. They were, they were pull, pulling the U.S. apart. What they were is three really good goals. Mm-hmm. Like, all the U.S.'s goals have great, great things to talk about um, in them.
1: Yeah. And some sort of… Um, I would say two very good goals and then one where there's a lot to talk about. But, yes, I take your point. <laughs> okay. I, th- I think I disagree, but we'll get into all it right. when we get to it. Um,
0: and then some like interesting individual performances where essentially we as an audience learned more about these U20 players, about mm-hmm. sort of what they're good at and that and that kind of stuff. Yes. Yeah?
1: I, I think w- where I am in like, my evolving understanding of soccer, which is what we have, because yeah. you know, it's an evolving thing. You're a lifelong learner, Taylor. I, I think I've, I, yeah, yes. That's what I want to be. And I, and I do mean that because like if you'll forgive me for a moment, like I think watching these U20s, what I'm actively trying to do is not necessarily like, be excited about them have a little bit of hype to it, but also see why some of these guys aren't regularly playing for their clubs or mm-hmm. haven't made a move abroad or aren't even getting like minutes with their MLS sides. You and mean so, like in terms
0: of what they need to work on?
1: Yes. Yeah. And so watching this game, that was part of the thing that I found really fascinating was seeing like, okay, this player has clearly worked on this, but really needs to work on this. Yeah, yeah. And in a way that I think you can't I know nec- exactly who you're thinking about, but we'll
0: talk about it later. Yeah.
1: Um, <laughs> in, in a way that like you don't necessarily get to see from senior teams where it's, it's a little bit faster, things are a little bit more coherent, and also because a lot of times they're playing in a specific system that suits their individual abilities and not their individual vulnerabilities. Okay, like you don't yeah, quite yeah. have that luxury at U20 level. Yeah. So I, I enjoyed that aspect of this game for sure.
0: Before we get into the goals, sure. I think is how we're going to handle this game, right? Because mm-hmm. there's five goals and it kind of tells a story of the game. And it let's does. Just talk about all the specific individual players. Um, I want to sort of address the under-20ness of the under-20 tournaments. Right. I really think this game, you could see the emotional swings in both sets of players. Agreed. And I would argue, I've kind of, I've, I've picked up this point from Brian Shiretta that you really need to think about the youth of these mm-hmm. players when you watch U20 games. And it, it can somewhat explain inconsistent performances and the odd things that happen. I think you saw the US, the, the US team, be down on themselves at a certain point and almost giving up and sort of like a whatever and like standing still Mm -hmm. kind of thing. And you also saw a French team that essentially lost their heads after the US equalizer and got far too aggressive and were giving away lots of silly fouls. And I really think that's interesting because I think that's the type of thing that you don't see as often from full-grown men professional teams Mm -hmm. because everybody has a better grip on their emotions because they're not teenagers. There's nothing wrong with it. I'm not criticizing anybody for it. I think it's just... Part of the landscape of under 20 soccer is that the emotional swings are going to be a little wilder.
1: Yes. I remember being a teenager.
0: Yeah, I, I think my I, swings were wilder than they are now.
1: Yes. Right? Now uh, I'm
0: pretty level, but before they were. Yeah. Yeah, I'm yeah. with
1: you. So I, I think that's true. And I think it's also that, like, with a lot of these guys, they probably haven't had the, like, social media, whatever coaching to have that like okay if you're frustrated you probably don't want to like make that very very abundantly clear because yeah, yeah. that's not a great look for you yeah, yeah. and and, and so, just in Rennicks, when you score maybe
0: don't yell words on camera i mean that i don't have i mean that <laughs> happens
1: all the time no but i mean i genuinely mean <laughs> more so that. like when you don't get the ball that you wanted to don't stop and be like screaming at the person it, yes. very, it makes it clear like and and i think we saw you don't see
0: that at professional level so mm-mm. much right because you know that
1: there's there's some there's a new job to do as soon as the ball's been I mean you over. see it with some people, and then we talk about it because yeah, it's yeah. it's it's an outlier, but I think like that was what was so distressing to me once the United States went down in the second half was how everybody just looked mad at each other mm-hmm. and that, and that's not a thing I'm used to seeing from a U.S. senior national team and also from a youth national team that I think we tend to see the U.S. as much more of a, I don't mean this in like a negative way, but like a more like rah-rah, like let's go, we got to fight, we got to try to go for it. Uh And that was one thing that was a criticism in 2017 of the men's senior national team was that some of that fight was gone. Some of that we always work harder than everybody else was gone. And so on the day today when it was like, oh, the ball went out of bounds and they all just like hung their heads and were mad at each other, it didn't feel like that fight was there, which again is why that turnaround was so surprising to me.
0: Oh, Ryan, thinking that you, I remember you specifically mentioning that De La Fuente sort of mm-hmm. played a pass that was his fault, because it was an off-target pass, yeah. and then kind of gesticulated to all his teammates like, as if it was their fault, and yes. that's the type of thing you're talking about. Exactly, right? to yeah. the
1: extent that like, like they kind of stopped for a moment yeah. to almost try to like figure out whose fault it was, as France still had the ball yeah. and were attacking. And again, that's that youth of...
0: And worth remembering, De La Fuente is, I think, the youngest player mm-hmm. on this team. He's like 17 or I something. I believe right? he is. Yeah. I
1: believe both he and uh, David Ochoa are eligible to play for the U20s next time around. There we go, yeah. David Ochoa, who did not play in this game. He did not. Yeah.
0: Uh, are you ready to talk about the goals, maybe? Yeah, sure. Yeah, okay, let's get into it. Because mm-hmm. very much against the run of play, Yes. I'm, I can make the case for this, the U.S. score first with a Sebastian Soto goal in the roughly 25th minute mm-hmm. or so, there are three chances for France directly preceding this. Yes. And I think that's worth mentioning. This yeah. Was, this was a, it came at a time when the U.S. were getting ripped apart, mm-hmm. and then suddenly... Uh, what, Savanio wins the ball off Diaby trying to Cruyff turn, Ledesma dribbles upfield, slips in Sebastian Soto, and it's 1-0 US.
1: Absolutely against the run of play. Absolutely against the run of play. But indicative of what the United States was trying to do, which I think was... Combine quickly through like sequences that I feel like they had definitely worked on, and Mm -hmm. we'll we'll get to the later goals. But a lot of those sequences seem to be direct balls down the channel, not long balls over the top, but like down, like wide to kind of try to pull almost balls
0: on the floor, especially to like advanced fullbacks, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah.
1: But but with this goal, when Cervanya wins it and then Ledesma picks it up. It, to me, feels very clear that, like, Soto knows where that run is going to be, where Ledesma wants to take that ball, and knows how to sort of measure his run so that he is, like, playing the way Ledesma wants him to play so that he can be on goal. And so I, I feel like there, just because it kind of was so against the run of play, it stands out that much more as being not so much a, like complete on-the-fly improvisation of like, I guess he's going to pass it here. Oh, but that seemed to work out. It felt much more like, okay, we've won the ball. Now we pass it. Now we pass it again. Now we score a goal.
0: Yes, and I think if you watch Soto... I hope my snaps were audible. <laughs> they were mm-hmm. just like then. Um <laughs> if, you, if you watch Soto, who really, uh, he stays with... I've forgotten the name of the player, but This it's France number 6. I think he's like a defensive midfielder guy who ends up tracking mm-hmm. him. And Soto times the acceleration of his run to be as far forward as possible, but still onside when Ledesma... Slips this ball between Zagadu, the uh, Francis number five, mm-hmm. and the number six. Yeah. It is perfectly timed. It I think is. that's a that is a trait of Soto's game that I think you saw um, in previous games. And you definitely saw at least twice um, in this game. Yep. Yeah, yeah.
1: Absolutely. And 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 I'm glad you you, you bring it up that way because it, that's what I mean when I say that. To me, this wasn't a sort of like on the fly. Here's what's gonna like. I guess this worked out because yeah. it's Ledesma under pressure, and you can kind of see him looking around for options. He gets past one French player, and as he gets past that player, he's playing the ball simultaneously. And I feel like that was a sort of like, okay – I don't have these other options, therefore, this is the only thing on. So, I'm going to like stride past this one player, then play it through. Soto knows when that ball is going to be played, hence why he's at full speed but yeah. still on side. That just felt like a strong relationship and a strong connection that ends in a goal.
0: Do you think France maybe didn't expect this skinny Ledesma
1: kid to suddenly have that burst of pace that he did? <laughs> I'm not sure they even knew who Ledesma was. It did,
0: well, because he he's only yeah. appeared once in the tournament so far. He has a, a profile a in the yeah. US because mm-hmm. he's like gone to the Netherlands and we're all excited about him. Uh, but I'm not sure France knew that maybe he had that bit of zip acceleration through through the middle well they, right?
1: don't know. they, they know, know now,
0: now. <laughs> they do know now they do know now great moment for Richie Ledesma
1: it was yeah. and, and it was I think a good finish from Soto. I had a moment where I was concerned that maybe he'd taken a little bit too long, had thought about it too long. Yeah,
0: he almost lets the ball get away from yeah. him. I, I thought he was in danger of someone poking the ball away
1: from mm-hmm. him. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and then he does the kind of fall down shot at the same time. Yeah. Uh, but still manages to put it far side netting.
0: Two goals where he shoots and ends up on his butt. Yeah.
1: <laughs> that's fine. As long as it ends up in the net. I guess it's a score. I mean, the one time he doesn't do that is when he doesn't dribble far enough wide and the goalkeeper just collects it off his foot. Yeah, so that's true. So maybe falling over is his uh, his secret yeah. to scoring. It's his secret trick. It could be. Could be.
0: <laughs> All right. Twenty minutes later, mm-hmm. maybe less than that, right? Forty-first minute, uh, Goury, Guri for France. I'm sure that's it. Yeah, has the ball in the back of the net. He does. There's a lot to learn about the US mm-hmm. from this goal as well, because it starts with a US press. Is that yes. fair to say? Yeah, yeah, it is.
1: I mean, and, and it a successful press because we force France to go long. That's what's confusing about it. Is that it's It, it is successful. In bits and pieces. Like, I think Timothy Way is slow to press. You can hear the coaching staff yelling <laughs> Timmy, at him. Timmy, 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 Timmy. Yeah, to get there faster. Yeah. And it doesn't quite work, it's but like it's South still... a episode. <laughs> well, I think he yells it to himself. But, yeah, yeah if, if Timmy were screaming at himself to be slightly faster than maybe. Um, but he, he ends up still forcing the guy back, so that's, like, the positive thing. Yeah. And it's pulled the, the U.S. forward. But I think also because the United States sends so many players in to try to, like, put this press on, that when that ball is cleared... It's what they want, but then it also potentially puts them into a spot of vulnerability, yeah. which is what ends up happening. So
0: what happens is Kamara number four, mm-hmm. he's almost by his own corner flag. Yeah. is forced to just clear it long by mm-hmm. a good US press. Eventually, yeah, I agree with you. Confusing because mm-hmm. it was a little sloppy, but worked. Yep. Um, Chris Gloucester like receives this ball essentially um, right about the halfway line, mm-hmm. um, right on the touchline. I,
1: I think he's ten yards uh, like on France's side of the half. it okay. stands out only because they had so many numbers committed so far forward.
0: Right, and he meets it, mm-hmm. left-footed, tries like a, a mid-air volley, yep. left-footed, and he's going for Chris Richards, right? Mm-hmm. But the problem is, Chris Richards is like 15 yards ahead of him and yeah. in the field, and Chris Richards is our centre-back. Yeah. So I think we pressed so high up Chris Richards has essentially been, essentially been pulled out of position, right? Yes. Um, and then I think you spotted this, that the problem is that as Gloucester plays it to Richards, Richards is already thinking about getting back mm-hmm. to centre-back where he's supposed to be. And so he's not in a position to receive the ball no. correctly. No. I'm not sure that's anyone's fault. It's more just like an example of the US press being so aggressive that it sort of didn't work for us.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's not necessarily anybody's fault, but it's still the case that it's not an ideal situation to find yourself in, that your yeah. center back is now trying to get back into position, sort yeah. of. It's not like he's like, like on his horse sprinting back at full speed, but he's moving back in that general direction, probably yeah. because he expects Gloucester to bring that ball down. But it's also the case that... I'm assuming he's gone forward because he's trying to man-mark whomever it is who drops in, and that's yeah. why Richards is out of position. Is it for
0: Fana? Is that who he's with?
1: It, it may be, but it's also the case that then Keita doesn't slide over as, nearly as much as he probably needs to. So yeah. Gino Dest, who's the other American player back, is oh, still pretty yeah. far wide. So you've just, you've just
0: uh, described
1: uh, one centre-back and one full-back, because mm-hmm. that's all that's left. Because yes.
0: Gloucester's all the way up over the halfway line, Richards is even farther beyond mm-hmm. him. That's... Leaving yourself exposed.
1: Well, again, yes, it is. It's not as bad if they've kind of slid over to cover. Formed like
0: a central pair. Exactly, but
1: they have not done that. And I think it's, again, because there's a lack of familiarity in the team and they don't quite know, like, okay, I'm supposed to slide over. This is a program thing. Richard steps out. I think on the occasion Richard just spots a person who's wide open in the middle who could have been an outlet, so he steps to that. Keita stays where he is because he's worried about his defensive responsibilities and you don't have that awareness to, okay, now we all slide over because this is a thing that we've all worked on. Yeah. a billion times and so it's second nature
0: and so what happens is I think it's Fafana, mm-hmm. wins the header because Richards has backed off of him gets the ball to Diaby mm-hmm. who's able to then get the ball down um, have a bit of like a couple of touches mm-hmm. and then he's got Guri running outside of him and Abubakar Keita is essentially one versus two yes. right because he's got Diaby to deal with and he's got Guri to deal with on the outside and it's a tough spot to be in. Um, and I think we talked about this in terms of what would what would VVD do? Mm-hmm. What would Virgil Van Dyke do? Yeah. And he would split the difference between the two players because we talk about him as like the supreme defender at yeah. the moment. So therefore, the correct thing to do is what Virgil would do. Yeah, um, and Abubakar Saka does like a very bad version of that essentially. He, so he's in a very tough spot but you kind of see a flaw in his game that like maybe he could have done better see I think he
1: uh, I think he does it okay I think it's that his spatial awareness is the problem Yeah. because essentially what he's doing is he's facing towards like Guri but running backwards so that he's I think trying to force the run inside and he thinks from Diaby. yeah and I think he's done that but I think he thinks they're more central than they are and I think he thinks they're closer to the goal than they are so when like to basically turns, I think he thinks, okay, I've got Diaby now, now I can kind of switch like, and defend him one-on-one and then get closer and closer and poke that ball away. And he doesn't realize that he really hasn't done that. He hasn't gotten close enough to the and he goal. he hasn't closed off the angle to Exactly. Good. That's and the main s-
0: thing, right? He's given Diaby the pass, and yeah. Diaby's like, I'll take it. And so basically,
1: yeah. like uh, Keita, in the span of like three strides, has to turn around and then turn back around. And then once you've done that, you are completely out of position, and yeah. then he really has to k- try to scramble. In the end, I think he ends up... Does uh, he slide uh, straight yeah, into brady Scott's region? He does. After the ball's already in the back of the net oh. as well. Yeah. -hmm. How about Brady Scott
0: on this goal? Because as Guri has slipped through, Guri's like basically centre right, Mm -hmm. right? So he's uh, running at Brady Scott. Brady Scott comes out, and in my opinion, comes
1: too far outside the
0: frame of his goal like too far to Brady Scott's left and almost gives Guri the far post to aim at.
1: I, I think it's because Guri takes a touch as he's entering the 18 and I think Brady Scott gambles on it's going to be a heavy touch he's going to hurt his angle a little bit so I'll slide over and like defend against what I think that angle is going to be yeah the Difference is that Gray has taken a very good touch that allows him to kind of shoot as soon as he wants to or yeah. whenever he wants to. But because Brady Scott has already committed to sort of sliding over towards that near post, it definitely opens up a ton of space at the back post. So we gambled and lost essentially. Yes. Mm-hmm. So maybe
0: it's not too bad. It's more that he's one-on once you're one-on-one with a striker, you kind of have to make some sort of gamble to try and force something to happen. So maybe it's not so bad.
1: No, and that's and that's exactly what it is for me, is that it's it's him trying to kind of evaluate the situation on the fly and and like basically put all of his chips on, okay, it's gonna be a heavier touch. And in the end, he loses, and that's where maybe he evaluates and learns a little bit more. But it's still him, I think, doing mostly the right stuff. I'm sure goalkeepers out there, uh, goalkeeping experts, would disagree on some of the footwork and some of the decisions overall. But, you know, I think once you're in a breakaway situation, you do the best you can.
0: Okay, so then we get to Mm halftime, and frankly... We're grateful to get to half time. Yeah. It's a lot of France pressure for the final few minutes. And I personally was very relieved. I think I saw on the US players' faces as well. Very relieved to get to half time. Mm-hmm. Speaking of half time, yeah. good time for ad breaks. I right? would agree. So mm-hmm. today's show is sponsored by. Policy genius. That's
1: right. There's a widely held belief that procrastination is a bad thing, but life isn't so black and white. Uh, sometimes procrastination can work in your favor. That's good news for the two of us. Yeah, like when yeah. you're maybe uh, game planning about how to play against a team and then you just kind of do it at the last minute. Maybe yeah. it works, maybe it doesn't. Maybe you kind of throw some things out in the second half and they end up working out. Or maybe you're
0: researching for your Women's World Cup previews. <laughs> like sometimes you maybe leave it a little late, but it just motivates you to do the research
1: faster. Uh-huh.
0: Um, or, for example, uh-huh. if you need life insurance, but you've been in that off. Congratulations. You've managed to procrastinate long enough for technology to make it Easy. The mm-hmm. technology is caught up to your procrastination. There we
1: are. Policy Genius is the easy way to shop for insurance online in just two minutes. You can compare quotes from top insurers to find your best price.
0: And Policy Genius doesn't just make life insurance easy; they can also help you find the right home insurance, auto insurance, and
1: disability insurance. Like, All I kinds like
0: of the insurance.
1: Yes, uh, home insurance uh, important. Like if you're going to buy a home, it turns out I didn't know that until I started to buy the house, and then I was like, "Oh, we need we need insurance. I better do that real real real, real, real fast." So I kind of had to do it on the fly, trusting the insurance. I already had, but Policy Genius, if you have to do it on the fly, if you've procrastinated and you're trying to do it quickly, <laughs> they allow you to do it very, very quickly and they allow you to do it easily and get the best possible quote possible. So, when
0: you finally decide that you need life insurance, but mm-hmm. uh, you've been busy doing literally anything else, check out Policy Genius. It's the easy way to compare all the top insurers and find the
1: best value for you. That's right. Nobody wants to shop for life insurance. It's not the most pleasing of things to do, but that's why <laughs> they made it very easy so you can do it and get on with your day, get on with watching U20 World Cup and potentially previewing the women's (laughs) national teams.
0: And the URL to go to is policygenius.com. That's policygenius.com. The link will be in the show notes if
1: somehow you can't spell those two words. There we are. So thank <laughs> you to Policy Genius for sponsoring today's episode. Now let's get back to talking about the USA's 3-2 victory over France. Yeah. Uh, we've gotten to halftime. Coming out of halftime we think there's a few adjustments from the Nets. It's nothing yeah. too major.
0: So no subs, but mm. I think we noticed, or you, actually you noticed that um, Ledesma was going to come deeper in the second half and Savanya was going to go even deeper. Mm-hmm. So first half, just to set it up, even though it's like a 4-3-3 listed, it was really Savanya and Pamukkau were almost like two defensive mids with uh, Richard the Desma just ahead of them right um, but say Savagna wouldn't drop between the centre backs or anything like that he starts doing that yeah. um, in the second half I think to receive the ball and kind of slow it down and maybe try and establish some possession yes. and the Desmond coming even deeper to, to get the ball and establish some possession yeah I,
1: I think a problem there though is that like Savagna had an okay game um, but I, I do think as we talked about earlier you can see vulnerabilities in certain players or some things that they need yeah. to improve just get into it yeah and, and I don't think this is a Savagna issue alone I think Chris Durkin has it too but it's getting open and I, and I I don't think either, to receive the pass. Yeah, from the center yeah, I don't think either one of them. Even when they do get open, I don't think there's an intent to like. Okay, I need to get myself in a space where I can turn immediately and play that ball forward, or I can get it and now I've kind of created an overload on one side or pulled France out of position. I think it's a bit more kind of like what a lot of players would do which is just like okay I'm going to run left and see if I'm open okay I'm not open now I'm going to run right and see if I'm open
0: and I'm going to just roughly be in a like deep central area and yeah. just jog left and right
1: until I'm open Exactly yeah. and so I think You
0: need to really fake it out right you need to like pretend you're running one, one way throw mm-hmm. your marker off and open an angle then go the other way exactly. and then suddenly you I mean that's what say Busquets does who's yeah. one of the best at it
1: Exactly but it's also that like they've practiced that they Barcelona with Busquets so that they know like okay he knows to go here the ball comes there and now we know how to build off of that whereas I think with Cervantes, if you don't want to get caught in position and you don't want to cough it up but you're not great at knowing exactly where to be and how to move, occupy that space, what you end up doing is dropping deeper and deeper and deeper because it's the safer ball. It's always yeah. going to be safer, but that means that now you've either like, moved between the center backs or you've moved to one side of the center back. And if you're France, then one of their midfielders has vacated space. We can just stay where we are. Yeah. And so what I kept seeing was Servenia get the ball, turn turn back around, play it back to the centre-backs. I would
0: also say he's not massively helped by the fact that I think Abubakar Keita is a lot slower playing the pass than, say, Chris Richards is. Chris Richards is pretty fast, right? Pretty sharp, zips it in. I think Abubakar Keita, it takes him a few seconds to take that touch and make that pass.
1: Yeah, Jumping ahead past when France uh, uh, get there, go-ahead goal. Uh, There is one in the 60-second minute where Keita very clearly is going to pass to Servagna and takes about five more touches before he does, and that ball gets intercepted and it ends in a shooting chance. And then you
0: send in... Telegraphing to France, you're sending them an email with an attachment that exactly. shows a diagram. Here's of what I'm going to do: where the passes go. <laughs> so that means by the time Savannah receives the it ball, it's a very long time to write that email. He's easily under pressure, right? Mm-hmm. Savannah's already under pressure because France have seen it coming. We haven't taken them by surprise. Exactly. Um, the other element tactically of what the US are doing is because Savannah's deep, Ledesma's deep. There's definitely that plan of get the fullbacks high. Mm-hmm. Right? You see a lot of Dest. High and wide right. You see a lot of Chris Gloucester high and wide left. And I think the plan is a lot of the plan is uh, the winger, like it's Weyer at this point, will sort of maybe come a little deeper, receive the ball, and then Gloucester will be beyond him and then he uh, plays him through. I think the US try that a couple of times, it doesn't come off. But then Gloucester's already high up the field. And the second goal, I think, the France go ahead goal, Mm -hmm. comes from Gloucester being really, really high up the field. After a failed attempt to find him while he's in a really sort of wide left attacking position.
1: Yes, and 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 to double down on that for a moment, I think it, it is also the case that this is a thing the United States has worked on. Yeah, and I feel like there's a big difference between what you've done in training and applying it in a game when you're playing against a first team opponent. Yeah, yeah. And so you could even hear like a, a couple times in the second half, Tab Ramos being like, "No, no, no, no. Yes, yes, yes." Like because <laughs> you're right, Timothy went to go
0: and went to stay. Yeah,
1: because like Timothy, where when you're right, he would drop a little bit deeper to allow that overlap. But from Gloucester. What, what what started to happen in the second half was, was the wingers would do that, but they would also drop in more centrally, which pulled the defender with them, and then there was space for Chris Gloucester or Sergino Desk to run onto because somebody's vacated that yeah, yeah. space. In this sequence... That doesn't really happen, and so I think France are kind of comfortable where they are. But it looks like it's an inviting ball. I think it's Ledesma who ends up playing the long ball. Yeah, so
0: after it doesn't work the first time, yeah. Gloucester's still high. It gets, position gets rotated back to Ledesma, who's very deep. Like we said, he's getting the ball from deep. And he tries to hit a kind of Steven Gerrard, yeah. million-dollar ball, cross field, down the left to Gloucester. It's a
1: 99-cent store ball in the end.
0: And it was a 99-cent store yeah. ball. Yeah, In the, the the wind kind of caught it, and it fell short. <laughs>
1: You might be, you might be being except, generous by blaming the wind. For the wind mark. yeah. <laughs> yes. And then it's but then this is like exactly what the United States do not want. Like they would rather lose the ball in France's half and France's like defensive third for yeah. sure. And then
0: you could counter press a little bit or something. But
1: yeah. if you are going to lose it there, that's okay as long as you don't have numbers committed forward. But here, Chris Gloucester is very far forward, and I think France are uh, keenly aware of that. And maybe also, I hope not, but maybe also keenly aware that maybe Aboubakar Keita is not great in one v one situations maybe doesn't have the pace, and I do think that's why you end up having Diaby... Kind of in a 1v1 situation yeah. is because maybe they put their fast, very creative player up against a defender who's not quite as fast.
0: Yep. So I don't remember exactly how this happens, but there's mm-hmm. definitely Ledesma goes for Gloucester. The ball is way short. France have possession. And they very quickly switch it down that right wing where there's no Chris Gloucester anymore because he's, he's gone I think attacking. It goes, I
1: think it's intercepted past central, pass back out wide to the right channel again. So it's kind of like... To Diaby? Yeah, exactly.
0: And you get, so Diaby, like a ball playing reasonably quickly, right? Mm-hmm. Diaby versus Keita out on the right wing. Mm-hmm and there's no good way of saying this DRB roasts Cater. Yes. Um I've seen it on Twitter a lot of people saying oh it's not his fault you shouldn't leave him one on one which is kind of true but also it's your job when you're the left centre back if you're exposed and you're against the right winger mm-hmm. you've got to either win the ball or at least slow him down or foul or foul yeah. <laughs> and catch. I, I mean, just, mean that sincerely. Yeah. If
1: you're going to foul, like this referee was not handing out cards. There are multiple moments when there should have been yellows given, especially later on in the game, and they were not. Um, going away from goal towards the touchline even if you're the last defender, I, I don't know if that's going to be a red card, but I also think that there was enough cover back that it, at, at worst it's going to be a yellow. But I think once Kate finds himself in that, and there is that moment, you and I have both had it when it's like, oh no, like I am not <laughs> fast enough to handle this person. And that's when you step across and you make it look like you're trying to play the ball, but yeah. you got a foul.
0: And mine was, uh, do you remember for Richmond City, there was a city, this is like two or three years back, we played X-Rams, which is a lot of ex-VCU players. Yes. And I believe it were, uh, Kwaku yes. Kwaku was just suddenly, I was isolated 1v1 against him, and I was just like, I hope my angles are good.
1: Yes. <laughs> Kwaku, is- who, who I think retired like 15 years ago from professional soccer, probably yeah. many more than that, and yet could still roast most players at yes. this point. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and so you have that moment. So you I, have,
0: a, I just had a very specific flashback, because it was essentially yeah. the same position that mm-hmm. K2 was in. And in yeah. that
1: moment, when you're, when you're beaten, you kind of have to be like, well... I'm throwing in the towel. Here comes uh-huh. the jersey pull. Here comes a little bit of a clip. Um, and 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 again, you can put that in the ca- the category of like things you probably learn to do in that moment when you have a couple more years of experience. Because I'm not saying I would know to do that in that moment. I don't have the experience as a defender. Certainly don't have it at this level. But I think if Abubakar Keta plays another season of professional soccer, yeah. I believe he commits that foul there. Here's
0: the thing, though. Diaby has played in League 1, what, yep. 25 times? Yeah, uh, yeah, for, like that, yeah.
1: For 10 starts, I
0: think, yeah. For mm-hmm. PSG, and he has the savvy to know mm-hmm. I can fake like I'm going to just bring this ball down, stop and square up to Kato, and then and then sort of decide on what I'm mm-hmm. going to do but I can fake like I'm going to do that, then you force Keita to stop, and once he stops, that's when I go. Yep. That's essentially what Diaby does, right? Mm-hmm. He briefly stops, then he goes. And the, the stop is so small, it's enough to like signal to Keita I'm stopping, but it's not enough to actually slow Diaby down.
1: Mm-mm. No, it's a... It's, uh, it's, he manages um, to
0: stop and have momentum at the same time. It's a move it's that you brilliant. would expect
1: from Kylian Mbappe. If you didn't yes. see it, it is the exact type of thing Kylian Mbappe does. Yeah. And it's terrifying that France has two players who can <laughs> do that. Maybe three or four, actually, when it comes down to oh. it. Yes, and so then it's, in on goal I think it's a toe poke that goes off the post rebounds put in the back of the net so Gino Dest is there I can't really fault him for like he goes in for the slide. tackle no as soon
0: as he sees it he like throws his body he maybe could have got more of his body behind it as Mm -hmm. opposed to just his leg stretched out and his body like behind it yeah like sorry away from it but like so maybe, but you're just reacting in the moment. The very best you can you do. You are.
1: Right? I also think I may be wrong because we didn't like break this down frame by frame. But I think Dest actually gets to the ball first. I think he slides in and gets the he ball. gets a touch, yeah. But the problem is that like he slides through and gets the ball, so it's already kind of left his foot when it makes contact with Aliu. Thank yep. you. Uh, so then Aliu has like a hundred percent force behind it. And Dest is like a little bit more reactionary at that point because he's already made the contact. So yeah. I think in terms of physics, I think Aliu is always going to win, exemplified by the fact that the ball ends up at the goal. Yep. So 2-1 France. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, things are looking bad. Yep. Tabramos makes some changes. He does. And they end up really, really working, yep. which is not like... I like Tabramas, um as a coach. He's not someone who I think of in a Pochettino-y, I'm going to fix everything with a couple which uh, mm-hmm. smart tactical subs in it, it'll, it'll solve all the problems kind of no. guy. Right? He brings on... Ulysses Yanez for Conrad De La Fuente, mm-hmm. right? Kind of a like-for-like, like, winger for winger. Yes, and, I, and we were okay
1: with that one because I think Absolutely. De La Fuente, as we said, looked frustrated on occasion, didn't seem like he was combining as well in the second half, seemed like he was pretty fatigued.
0: Yep, and then we also know Yanez is maybe not fully fixed. He hasn't been able to play many proper games in the last six months or, mm-hmm. or so. So maybe he can't go 90, so bringing him in for like 30 minutes, is that 63rd minute or so they come in? You got it, exactly. Uh, bring in, uh, <laughs> it's as if we talked about it earlier. <laughs> uh, bringing him in for 30 minutes or so seems maybe perfect because he was really, really... Really effective, mm-hmm. right? The other guy he brings in, I believe, is Justin Renix. Mm-hmm. Is it Renix for Ledesma? It is. And I want to say Ledesma is the same thing where he was a bit of an injury worry coming in. So maybe Ledesma's fit enough to go 60, but not fit enough to go 90. Yeah. yeah? It,
1: it has the familiar symptoms of pre planned substitutions. Yeah. Which, if you'll forgive me, like, again, like, it's a little bit wandering, but this is where I get confused with Tab Ramos. That, like, is he a very good coach at this level, or is he sort of like he's just doing what he does? Because if you have pre-programmed, like pre-planned substitutions, like the goal has happened in between when you would have made that plan, you've gone down two to one in Between you, when you would have made that decision, but how do you know it's
0: pre planned because of those injury type things? Well, no,
1: just what you were saying that like this feels like substitutions that were sort of like you can pl- probably play 60 minutes at the like yeah, finish yeah. you're at, then we'll sub you out. So give us 60 good minutes, then we'll get like, kind of replacements in. So then it's almost like it's not him necessarily adjusting to the game, so, it's more of a like, well, we're doing what we were going to do.
0: Actually, this is my whole tab theory, which I don't think I've ever uh, Tavare theory, mm-hmm. I don't think I've ever shared on the Total Talk show. I think he's very good at coaching a group of young players and getting them all to buy in, getting them to try trust him, and like him. Um, and things like telling Ledesma, maybe mm-hmm. you've got 60 minutes, and telling Ulysses Yanez, all right, you can probably only go 30, so we'll play you 30. Like, There's a lot of trust is built there and a lot mm-hmm. of sensible decisions in terms of not overexerting players and like maybe hurting Ledesma or hurting Yanez by, by, by being too much. But it's almost as if Ramos places that type of uh, managing the player um, to sort of like, not push them to the extreme mm-hmm. ahead of winning games yeah you know what i'm saying it's almost like he's like looking out for the players which i think is what maybe what you should do with under 20s more than like doing everything possible to win and i'm i think i'm okay with it because it's like a player first approach as opposed to a let's win games first approach
1: that makes sense but it still makes me confused that like the way if we saw this with like coaches who we weren't familiar with teams we weren't familiar with and we saw goal in the 55th a Double substitution in the 63rd that feels like, oh, this goal has happened. They've gone down two to one. Hey, substitutions, come on over. We're going to change it up. We got to change the tactics. And then, like, suddenly they found a way to win. And that narrative is like, wow, that coach is very good. They made adjustments. Yeah.
0: And but, Yannis but is see, involved in the equalizer, and Rennick scores the winner. But so. what I'm saying,
1: but see, what I'm saying is, but if it's pre planned substitutions that were always going to happen there, regardless of the scoreline, which is, may be the case, but then not definitely,
0: it, it's not definitely the case. It's not there definitely the
1: case, but I guess that's where I get confused is like, so then it's. Not necessarily on the fly adjustments to make things happen. It's sort of like, well, no, we were always going to do that, and then it worked out. And that's where <laughs> I get confused. Uh, and, and it's that, a confusing game, because I, mean, I
0: still don't think the US played particularly well, no. and yet we beat France 3 2. I mean
1: if if you went back to where we were like before maybe a couple of minutes before the United States scored the equalizer, we were both saying like the body language, the way they were playing, the, yeah, the failure to this combine is the moment, right? this in is meaningful w- ways.
0: This is when Savanya's walking and yeah. Tim Ware looks a little sort of uh, disconnected. Yeah. and Yeah, we were, we were very concerned that this was then going to turn into a bit of a France route. I think, actually, more than the tactical substitutions, the thing that changes this yeah. game... Is the cooling
1: break. Because I agree and I want to talk about that. But I wanted to add that like what we ended up saying was this doesn't feel like a game the United States is going to pull a goal back in except for like a brilliant individual moment. Uh And so it's amazing to me that what actually does it is coming out of the water break a really, really nice passing sequence. And I do think you threw this out there at the time and I was like, no, that cannot just be it. I think just getting a water break made a huge difference that they needed because we didn't see much coaching. We didn't see... I mean, maybe it was and then we just didn't see it. The camera was on the
0: French players more. So by the time... It was on the French players first. By the time it cut across to the US players... Mm Ramos wasn't saying anything to them, and people were starting to walk away back on the field. Yeah, and I wonder if maybe there was a moment of Ramos really talking to them, and it just wasn't on camera.
1: It could be, but again, that's a very, very quick turnaround. Like, yeah, I, like, look at again, look at France. They spent that entire water break getting instructions yeah. and tactical adjustments. There's no way that Tau Ramos was like, <laughs> "Oh, good. hey guys, just do everything totally differently. We'll be fine." Okay, good luck. Get some water. Like, yeah. so I think maybe it was just. Maybe that is Ramos again, knowing the team, knowing the situation, cool knowing like, off, fresh just enough? get a break, mentally reset, you don't need me yelling a bunch of stuff at you, you know what you got to do, go out there and do it. Yeah, yeah. And it's amazing to me that literally what happens after the water break is France have a free kick, I think that's how it restarts, they look for a long direct ball that goes all the way back to the United States' goal near the corner flag. That's and picks it up. straight from that, the United States passes right back down and scores. And it's yep. just sort of like, okay, right. water breaks are important.
0: So this is the second Sebastian Soto goal. Yeah. Yes.
1: Right? Mm-hmm. Um, let's talk about this goal then. Let's so do it starts with
0: Dest. Mm-hmm. They essentially pass it across the back four yep. to Keita. Mm-hmm. And then Bubikar Kater hits the ball. I think the US has wanted yep. for most of the game. He finds Chris Gloucester wide left in an attacking position. This, yes. is, this is a line breaking pass. Mm-hmm. It Even is. Even though it's not central, it ends up down the wing. It breaks through, a, like breaks through the forward line and the midfield line and gets Gloucester, not in behind the defense, but like in an advanced position down that left wing.
1: Yes. And, and, and like, if you'll forgive me for an extended analogy, like you know in the video games when you like you're playing a video game and you like beat that one part but then you still haven't beaten the level and then you beat the next part and I'm like oh I made it to that level and then like it takes you a while to get back to that that's what this was for me with the US of like oh we're trying to play that like ball that direct line splitting ball out into the channel but it hasn't quite worked on occasion it kind of did but then even once we've done that then it doesn't necessarily go anywhere. And this was the one time where they, like, beat the level all the way. But, like, <laughs> now the next step is to find somebody who can then yes. carry that attack on. And that's exactly what happens. Gloster finds Yanez.
0: And Yanez puts, I can't, I've can forgotten who the defender is, but he puts a nice little move. Just it doesn't a matter
1: because he did nothing.
0: It's a shimmy this way and that way. Mm-hmm. going to sort of open a little space for himself, get it to Timothy Weyer. Yep. And then Tim Weyer has that moment of magic that we've been talking about. He did it against Cutter where he Ooh, knocked the guy in school. Yes, 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 yeah? yes, yes spots that Soto is in behind most Mm -hmm. of the French defence very quick outside of the right foot slight bend pass to put Soto in on goal this is a wonderful spot from Tim Weyer Mm -hmm. really smart to spot it really technically good to be able to Maneuver that ball uh, through those lines. Yes, yeah, and
1: and and we also talked, I think, with Jimmy Conrad about like how Timothy Way has a little bit of that name recognition, and and I do wonder if France were maybe looking like, oh no, it's the one guy we don't want to have the ball in a shooting situation. Yeah, yeah, and. Dan Axel Zagadou is an, is an accomplished defender. Borussia e. Dortmund starter. Exactly. And yet he completely loses Sebastian Soto because I think he's preoccupied with what's Timothy Weah going to do. Oh, you yeah, has Which what's is on. A, a strange thing because I don't think we've ever really said that about an American going at a, an established defense before. Yeah. But I do, maybe at this level, that is kind of the cachet Timothy Weah has. Also worth noting that some of his teammates are on that French team because he's at PSG. Yeah. And I do wonder if maybe they also have told their teammates, like, hey, he's good. Good, he can shoot. Don't let him do this. Don't let him do that. And so that entire French team gets a little bit preoccupied with him.
0: And the mistake Zagadou makes, he was kind of the standout performer in this game. Mm-hmm. I want to say up until this point.
1: Yeah. 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 Um, is he
0: sort of backs off a little bit while the rest of the defence takes a step forward? So essentially, there's no defensive line. Sebastian Soto, we talked about his timing of getting in behind. He spots this mm-hmm. right, so he manages to stay like. Behind all those other defenders, but he's doing like a little stutter step thing to stay level with Zagadou. So that he is in behind, even though Zagadou's level with him. Yes. Yeah. And, and Tim Ware spots it, plays him through. Does so Turned Up On His Butt again? He does. He this?
1: That's not necessarily his fault, though, because this might be, I'm realizing, a great clip to show young defenders of what not to do, because it's Zagadou being deeper than the rest of his line. You spotted that one. Then he's ball-watching, so he's unaware of the man near him. Then he tries to get over to it, recognizes that's not on, and kind of tries to do like the disguised... Uh, like, oh just a little bit of a shirt tug as Sebastian Soto's shooting, but he doesn't. That's that why he ends up on his and It's not like a weird technique nope.
0: thing. Zagadu gets a little piece of
1: him. Yes. Yeah. And so there's a chance that even if Soto doesn't finish this and it goes wide, then like you still maybe run the risk of conceding a penalty if you're Zagadu. So oh, not yeah, great yeah. from him. Pretty good from Soto, very good from the US. And as
0: I mentioned like many, many minutes ago, <laughs> mm-hmm. um I think Zagadu is is the French captain? I think he kind of loses his head after this. Agreed. He goes charging around. He goes in late on Yanez I don't know if it's before, or after this call. I think it's after this, right? He, um, it's goes, it. yeah. He mm-hmm. steps into him, and I think he was like really hits Janes in the chest, kind of, and he's holding his chest. Um, all kinds of like weird fouls from Zagadou, and that spreads throughout the French team. I think. Yeah, I, I think I think this Madrid is where, the equalizer basically. Yeah. yeah,
1: And this is where the United States does, I think, get into France's head a little bit because they're now buzzing. They they feel like they've got the momentum. They're up for it, and they start to really, really have. France every time they have the ball and that leads to as it will if you're kind of playing a high intensity pressure system a couple little kicks a couple little knocks and I think France respond to that by getting annoyed you see some kickouts you see Zagadou yeah just body check Yanez who uh
0: who kicks someone really really late
1: I think that's Kamara I think it's Kamara kicks renix who's like kind of hassling him it's in the corner it's yeah. v- near the very very end of the game and there's yeah there's just a little teeny tiny kick out after the ball is gone Pomacall got one of those uh in that's the, the one US thinking US's thinking defense of. yeah 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 that one's that one's I think in between the two US goals, he gets one because it partially explains why Paxton Pomacal gets kicked and then, in the ensuing two minutes like two or three minutes that lead up to the goal, is all over the place. He wins put a in couple challenges. Balls, right? Yes,
0: yes. All right, I think it's time to talk about the Let's winning goal mm-hmm. because it is so. Yusi Janez has mm-hmm. the ball, plays like a leading pass for Pomacal, mm-hmm. but it's two leading yep. <laughs> so it ends up creating um, a 50 50. Paxton Pomacal. Is the hero of the day because mm-hmm. he wins that 50 yeah. 50. And this is one of the things he's great at. He really goes into a tackle in a way that um, it's not even like violent or aggressive. It's more like he just makes sure that he comes determined. out with the ball. Yeah. It's determined. But it's also not weirdly technically good. Mm-hmm. So he doesn't pop loose. He tends to come out with the ball. Yeah. And it, that's what happens here. This is what changes the game. Yeah,
1: You can't go halfway into a tackle and be like, well, if I get beat, I'll be in a position to defend. But if I win, like, if you go halfway, you get beat, is basically yeah. how it's going to be. And he goes, all in, but because he's made that commitment, he's made the commitment to make a smart tackle as opposed to a reckless, yeah. I'm just going to go on 100% and see what happens. So
0: Pamukka wins that ball. I think he just like lays it off or, mm-hmm. it or gives it to Tim Weyer Weyer makes the very sort of Tim Weyer decision No, I'm just going to shoot from here yep. from the top of the box and it's blocked, right? Well, not- I mean, he's already
1: had the beautiful through ball. Why not yeah. just you know, go for one? I,
0: just, I, I think I talked about this with Jimmy. Uh, I love Tim Weyer's connecting play when he's like receives and mm-hmm. like plays one-twos and does that kind of stuff. I don't love it so much when he's just shooting from distance. I-,
1: I love the idea that the United States is so competitive at this level that Timothy Weyer, like competitive with each other, that Timothy Weyer has that shot and it's blocked and it falls to Sergino Dest and his thought is like, no, 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 I'll show you hats done. Because <laughs> he then no, he does. hits the ball off of that. I think maybe takes a touch and then hits it, but he crushes that ball from it's about 25 yards out. a perfect strike, It's
0: got that really good sort of it's off the ground but not too far off the ground and it's not rising too much, right? Mm-hmm. It's really driven. It's got spin, but it's not bending. It's really going inside that far corner. Yes. And yeah. then
1: maybe there's a hint of like sun in uh Lafont's eyes. Maybe I'm sure he'd love to say that. Yes, I'm sure he would. But it's it's a this is the one when earlier, way back when, when you said three very good goals, this is the one where I'm a little bit mixed because it's a great hit from death. Yeah. It still should have been saved. At the very least it should have been punched clear. Well it was saved, but then, and just, then like, dropped. Carried to the
0: side. <laughs> Yes. Right? and credit to Justin percent because I'm pretty sure as Des hits the shot mm-hmm. Renick starts crashing he does he was sort of he essentially gambled on LaFont parrying it in a way that would create an opportunity and he only just gets there first because yep. LaFont he's made the mistake I mean LaFont's a really highly rated goalkeeper right he's immediately up and ready to make the next save mm-hmm. but Rennick is just there a split second yeah. first
1: there's no hesitation and I
0: think doesn't he sort of kind of hits it quite hard but it's a chip it's like a hard chip um mm-hmm. over Lafont who's getting his hands in the way yep. it is a great finish from
1: Justin Reid he Rennie. puts the laces through it for sure yes. but yeah but it's because he's not doing that like skipping like the kind of skip thing that you'll see people do when the shots come like oh is it going to go in is it going to go in? okay yeah. now I'll react to it he reacts to it Crashes. and gets there puts it in the net 3-2 oh, USA
0: 3-2 USA mm-hmm. we see the game out there's one more Soto chance yep. there's McKenzie comes on and plays extra center back
1: mm-hmm. um
0: doesn't look entirely sharp i think Does he's not. still not fully fit Agreed. Right? Uh, okay but we but we saw it through. There's one player I'd like to just finish talking about, Sergino Dest. Mm-hmm. So that shot, obviously, is probably the highlight of his game. He had a really good game defensively. Yes, he did. In terms of, uh, so we've seen in the past, I he would is, hate
1: to play against him.
0: He is not good in the air if you play like a diagonal and you're expecting like a taller left winger to, for him to challenge that person. Dest is still going to have to work on that side of his game. Mm-hmm. Someone running at him he, I think every time he came out with the ball, he is impossible to go past because he's so tenacious and smart about when to make that tackle, and then he bursts away
1: with the ball. It was very similar to the kind of breakout game, I would say, he had uh, against Mexico when he just kind of defended yeah. Lainez yeah, yeah, yeah. point for point it was a lot of that. in this. It did where, feel like that, right? Where it was it was hassling. It, if you're the person on the ball, it's like you're annoyed because he's kind of all over you and you can, you know there's a little bit of contact here and a little bit of contact there. It's never, never enough, enough for a foul, yeah. but it's enough to put you off and not make you 100% focused on keeping that ball. So then there's like another little poke and then eventually he wins that ball. Heading into this game, I had some concerns about him starting at right back. I do not have those for the next round. My other concerns I had about Abubakar, Abubakar Kates' distribution and some of his decision making, those questions remain. And uh, I think maybe Travis Clark and I will get to the bottom of what we think will happen uh, in the USA's next game against Ecuador.
0: And I think um, Bibi Karkater, again, like not to, I don't want to go too deep on this because I know we've gone long, but it's a guy that's only played, what, two, maybe three, I think two mm-hmm. uh, professional games. So there's just a lot for him to learn still. And yeah. This is all part of the, the learning process. And it some is. of the things he hasn't learned have been exposed. Doesn't mean he's not going to be a good defender going forward.
1: It right. is not, yeah. it, but it, it certainly means that if he wants to be uh, like a candidate for Greg Burhalter's system, which is dependent on center yeah. backs who can we're play the ball, we're a few years from that I think. Yeah, but yeah. I, I think that that's. But this is what I'm saying when we go back to with the U20s. That's a thing that now we know he needs to work on. So that's yeah. a thing where we can really pay attention to. Like, is his distribution and decision making improving? And if it is, then yeah. maybe we'll go back to it. But and he's hope- one who right now I think of as like, okay, I know what you need to do uh, to get uh, better.
0: We'll get to watch his progress here in Richmond for the rest of the season. Hopefully, yeah, hopefully,
1: yeah. And Daryl can ask him probing questions about why he makes decisions. There I, we go.
0: I, <laughs> I might do
1: that, and I will shirk that responsibility wholeheartedly. We shall see. Mm-hmm. So, as you
0: said, the uh, the quarterfinal, the under twenty quarterfinal, which I think is how far the US got last time, it is, um, is against Ecuador. What's mm-hmm. the date on that? Is it Saturday, Saturday,
1: eleven thirty a.m. I believe Saturday, eleven
0: thirty a.m. And you'll have a preview on the Top draw Soccer Show, our sister show, uh, this fr- Thursday or Friday.
1: Yeah, uh, yeah. I'm going to go ahead and this week. verbally committing us to uh, part of that will be previewing what ecuador do and what they will try to do against the united states so we can have a good idea of that heading into the game okay now that i've said it it has to happen
0: and yeah if people don't know we have a sister show that Mm -hmm. we produce for top draw soccer Mm the website it's called the top draw soccer show you can find it separately from the top soccer show on itunes uh wherever you get your podcast wherever you get yeah. your podcasts. iTunes is indeed. about to be disappeared, right? It's Apple Podcasts now. Is that what it yeah. is? All right, that's uh-huh. good to
1: know. Um, this conversation about the U20 is about to disappear so that we can move on to talking about the senior men's national team. Okay. Uh, but before we do that, we should talk about today's sponsor, Grip6 Belts.
0: Yes, Grip6 Belts. I am, of course, wearing mine right now. Of as course. I always, I don't wear them just for the ads. I just happen to be wearing them when we do the ads. Mm-hmm. Um Grip6 Belt is a special kind of belt. It doesn't look like one of your normal ugly belts. It doesn't. It's got no 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 holes. It hasn't got like one of those pokey things. I don't know the names of belt pieces. Um holes and flaps? That's holes and it. flaps, yeah. You it doesn't it. have holes and flaps. We've done this before, you know. I know and I never <laughs> remember. Maybe I don't want to remember. I want to move forward into the future mm-hmm. with a I'm going to say futuristic looking Grip Six belt. All right, I could see it in a, like a sci-fi film. Where, I could oh, see it too. I we, do. We've evolved beyond buckles.
1: I also could see it on like <laughs> like I did look to see if Pochettino and Guardi- and not, Poch- not Guardiola but Pochettino when he like stood up during the Champions League final. It felt like a belt that he might be wearing. It's fashionable, but it's like low impact. You don't necessarily like notice it, but when you do notice it, you're like, oh, that's stylish and sleek. Yeah, it felt like a thing he would be wearing. He was not, which maybe explains why they lost. <laughs> <laughs>
0: that, that is the problem. I'm pretty sure. Um, so we've talked about the various mm-hmm. uh, belts from Grip Six. We found a new sort of sub. Category mm-hmm. on the website, we found the flag section. Uh-huh. There's a flag section where the uh, the Grip6 buckle um, essentially is a flag. It so is. So you can show some patriotism yeah. while you wear a Grip6.
1: They've got like uh- – Various colors for the American flag, so you could uh-huh. wear that one during uh, the Gold Cup, for example, the Women's World Cup. So you could be appropriately yeah. uh, pro USA without having to go like full on jersey and eagle head and stuff like that.
0: What do you mean by various colors? So I'm assuming there's red, white, and blue.
1: I think there's like well, you, no, um, there's not. There's a like gunmetal one. I think there's a black and white one, and then I think there's like a red tinted. Oh,
0: the color mm. of the buckle, yes. and then the flag mm. is on top
1: of it. Yes, yes, yes. Got it,
0: got it. There's also a Canada one, right? If mm-hmm. you're a big Sinclair fan.
1: There's Texas. There's Wyoming. If you want to like represent oh, individual. States. Yeah. You've got a couple, right. a couple states in there, California uh-huh. as well. Mm-hmm. Yes,
0: yeah, so if you believe in states as nation states, then yeah. you should, <laughs> you should get one of those. Perfect. I, uh- think, I think a lot of Texans do.
1: Yeah, there you go. <laughs> uh, and we usually talk about it in relation to ourselves because we both wear them. I'm wearing mine w- right now as well. Uh, but you, we should know that there are men's, there are women's, there are belts for children on there as well. Yeah. So it's not just uh, belts for dudes. It's belts for all folk. <laughs> not just dudes. Mm-mm. They should
0: put that on their website. They probably should. Um, it's also not always full price because you can go to grip6.com, G-R-I-P, the number six dot com slash T-S-S, grip6.com, slash T-S-S, and there you will find... Discounts for total soccer show listeners of, I believe, 20 to 33%.
1: I believe you are correct. So that th- you can go to, one more time, grip6.com slash TSS to get your uh, discounts there. Thank you very much to D- Grip6 for sponsoring today's episode. Should we talk senior men's national team now?
0: Yes. So there's a game against Jamaica, Wednesday night, 7 p.m. listed kickoff time mm-hmm. on Fox Sports 1. It's Jamaica, then Venezuela, then it's the Gold Cup. But this roster is very confusing, right? It is. It's not the Gold Cup roster. It is not. It's a 29-man roster um, made up of mostly players who are on the Gold Cup preliminary squad, plus Jackson Yule, yes. minus Christian Pulisic and Tyler Adams. Mm-hmm. I'd like to start there. Pulisic will join the squad, I read, on June 6th. Um, Adams will join the squad on June 11th. Mm-hmm. I'm still struggling with, uh, there's got to be a good reason. I don't quite understand why these guys got a week off after the Bundesliga before joining the US
1: national team. W- w- so why does that bother you?
0: I, I think guess- I've just never seen it before. Mm-hmm. Normally players will go, they'll finish their club season and if there's, a, if there's um, an international thing happening, mm-hmm. they just go right into the national team camp and then they just keep rolling and go into the tournament and then you get your break when, when your tournament's over. That's when your summer starts. Yeah, but is, is this
1: like Old Man Grove? Are we starting to see this? Like think Kids so. these days taking breaks?
0: Well, it's mostly because I've never seen it before. Uh-huh. Like, I've never seen it with a U.S. team before. I've never seen it with any team before. Of like, a break b- before you... It's like a mini-break that they're on, like a Bridget Jones-style mm-hmm. mini-break I think before they actually uh, get into camp and get fit again and get ready to go. Uh,
1: first off, I don't get that reference. Second of all... Um, <laughs> Bridget Jones
0: is always after a mini-break. She I wanted see. to go on a mini-break. I got you. Okay. Um,
1: <laughs> but also, I think it's because, for me at least, like like there's been so many confusing little things because there's been this like hybrid U23 and senior camp that happened yeah. before the Gold that Cup just ended, right? camp even yeah. happened. Yeah, then you had like, the preliminary roster, but then you have, like as you said, Jackson Yule just being thrown in, yeah. and so uh, it has felt a little bit like, well, lots of players are just being added in random places, and different people are getting different experiences at different times, so sure, maybe you're just like, yeah, Tyler Adams um, like move mid-season, dealing with an injury, so yeah, sure, you get some time he's off. He's Chris-
0: just back from an injury, yeah. right? And
1: Christian Pulisic, I don't know, you're moving clubs, it's been a traumatic year as well, you got to figure out if Chelsea are not going to be able to sign players, so maybe he's on the case of that, and they gave him some time off to figure okay. that out. Okay, so I guess i will just got
0: to accept that this is happening,
1: Yeah, and that the... The As opposed to what, boycotting forever? I mean, just
0: complaining about it for 25 All minutes right. on the Total <laughs> show. I could fill your ears with that. I right. could, yeah, I could filibuster. Um, so, but, the, but the weird thing is, with this team that we're going to see against Jamaica, mm-hmm. um, it's not really going to be the Gold Cup team, no. right? It's also, from what I've read from Behalter Quotes, there was a press conference this morning, essentially, what do you say? Most of the Gold Cup roster is set, but some players will be playing for their spots in this game. Yes. So I think... <laughs> we're going to see, and I think you agree with me, that we're going to see a sort of not first-choice 11 from this 29-man roster. We're going to see maybe a weird, uh, some first-choice players and some players that like, hey, here's your shot.
1: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, w- I would 100% agree with Alexander that. Alexander Hamilton. Yeah, I mean, I think we're going to see, you're <laughs> um, just cracking yourself up over there today. Um, I, yes, I would agree. I think we'll see some more like proven players in certain positions. Yeah. Um, yeah, to maybe like balance it out. But overall, yeah, I think we see a lot of bubble uh, going on.
0: So shall we try and see if we can pick a sort of 11, like a what we'd like to see plus what we think Halter is doing uh, starting 11 from this roster to play against Jamaica? And I sure. think maybe as we go through it, we'll talk about sort of who's on the bubble, who's playing for their spot. Mm-hmm. I think what you do in practice also counts a lot for whether you make the goal roster or yeah. not. But then you've also got to get on the field at some point because there are at least... At least a handful of guys who've never made a national team debut, mm-hmm. right? So yeah. th- there's that as well. There is. Do you want to start from the very, very back?
1: Sure. The guy, um, that, the guy
0: that wears gloves. Yeah.
1: Uh, <laughs> in in goal, we've got three options. There, we've got Zach Steffen, uh, Sean Johnson, Tyler Miller. Uh, I, I I'm guessing we're going to see uh, Zach Steffen, but I would be yeah. okay with seeing Sean Johnson uh, just because maybe get him to commit see how he does with the ball at his feet.
0: Uh, can we assume? I think Steffen and Johnson pretty much are making the goalkeeper roster anyway. So again, if we were going bubble only, we would say Tyler Miller starting. But I think if you're going to put out a team with some strength and some experience to mm-hmm. it and someone who's played for Berhalter before, I think Zach Steffen starts.
1: I think, I think maybe after this Gold Cup, I will be more confident in making statements like that because I think we'll finally know kind of who is definitely in Berhalter's good graces or who he favours because... I mean, incl- he
0: started Steffen for most of his national team games and he played for him at Columbus. Oh yeah, that,
1: that, right. that's, that's not the one that I'm, I'm confused, like have question marks about. It, it's actually Johnson. That, like, okay. I, because we do have also in the provisional roster, uh, I think uh, Brad Guzon, Ethan Horvath. Yeah, so they're like, on the forty-man goal right. Cup
0: preliminary roster, mm-hmm. but not in this camp or on this roster right. to play in this game. So,
1: like, I, I, so what I'm saying is, like, I think there's a chance that, like, maybe we like get like Tyler or Tyler Miller got some reps in practice. Sean Johnson starts this game. Maybe one of them plays in the Venezuela game, and then they're both gone, and in come Brad Guzan and Ethan Horvath, and that's your three goal Cup goalkeepers.
0: Here's the problem: is I've already written Stefan on my mm-hmm. piece of paper. Yeah. So can we say that it's Stefan starting in goal?
1: Uh sure, we can say that. <laughs> we can say that. But I, I, I will brought a pen instead of a pencil. I so. will. I will add the note that I I still would not. Be surprised if it was Sean Johnson okay. starting, but if we are going to go with like like a core spine, maybe that does start with Zach Steffen. So then the question becomes, yes, center backs.
0: So yeah, and the shape we're going with mm-hmm. is the classic Beholder formation that we've seen so far, which is on paper a four three three, and on the screen graphic and the way we're mm-hmm. going to select it a four three three. When defending, it's like a, a compact four four two. When we get past the halfway line, mm-hmm. the right back. Joins the, ones, the one defensive midfielder, and it's a
1: 3-2-4-1. It is indeed. All right, yeah. so 3-2-4-1. Uh, but we'll, we'll go with like a more let's go to easy 4 two, 3, four, three, yeah, three to break down. I said centre-backs, but let's go wherever you want in the defence. Where would you like to start in the defence? I think
0: I'd like to go the easy one first. Sure. Um, mm-hmm. And I think it's right back because okay. Yedlin's having surgery. Mm-hmm. He's out. Tyler Adams is not joining up just yet. Nick Lima, I think is the only right back on the roster.
1: I believe you are correct. Yeah, because
0: yes. we know there's just room for Adams to come and join him, right? Yep. So Nick Lima's starting this game. Yep. Unless something wild happens, I think Nick Lima's starting this game.
1: I believe you are correct, my friend. Okay. Um, so then we have multiple center back options.
0: Yeah. Uh, this, be- is, this is a bubble situation, right? Yeah. This is who
1: makes the roster, who doesn't. And I think we have it that way. Like, when you and I kind of sat down and did our, like, who do we think is definitely in there, who do we think is maybe in there, and then who's on the bubble, we had I believe Matt Miazga and uh, Aaron Long as our two, like, lockdown sure. Sure, centre backs that I'm will be in sure. there. Yeah, yeah.
0: Berhaulta likes both of them, right? Mm-hmm. Long's captain the team.
1: Yes. Yeah. So that leaves us with Omar Gonzalez, Tim Ream, cameron Carter, Vickers, and Walker Zimmerman.
0: So here's what I think. Uh, I think there's maybe one guy that's already in mm-hmm. and knows the system, and one guy that's on the bubble. Yep. Right. Mm-hmm. So who's that guy that's already in? Is it Miazga or is it Long?
1: Uh, I mean, Long has been the captain for this team before, but maybe I'm just—I'm going to say it's Matt Miazga. Why? Not? All right, let's just yeah. agree on that because yeah. we could go round and round otherwise. Okay, so Matt Miazga. But I think it's also because I have him partnering Cameron Carter-Vickers for this. game. Oh, you've
0: already decided? Yes. yes. Okay, so CCV is definitely sort of a bubble bubble yes. guy mm-hmm. uh, for this. I'd say Zimmerman is the same, so maybe he comes in later. Mm-hmm. Cause he has less international experience, as does Vickers. Guys like Omar Gonzalez. They've just we know what they're about, Greg Berhalter knows what they're about. I don't think there's anything to be gained from Omar Gonzalez playing against Jamaica. No. I personally don't think there's anything to be gained from Omar Gonzalez playing in the Gold Cup either. No. But Berhalta may feel differently. I suppose. Yeah? Um, Okay, over to left. Yeah. Left back's interesting.
1: It's going to be Omar Gonzalez starting, by the way. Do you think? (laughs) I mean, I don't know. I just, I know that I can't bring myself to say that, like, on paper, but I feel like there's a decent chance that yes.
0: Okay, to left back. Uh Um, Okay, it could be Daniel Lovitz. This is
1: a head scratcher for us. Daniel Lovitz has Mm -hmm. done it
0: before, right? For Greg Berhalter, he's played left back, and then there's that thing where when we go over the halfway line, the left back becomes left center back Mm -hmm. in a back three, Tim Ream is possibly an option when the final roster is announced. I think he has a good chance of making it because he can do both of those. Aaron Long is mm-hmm. maybe a possibility. The other left back is Anthony Robinson. And I'm fascinated by this because, as, as far as I'm concerned, he can't do that job mm-hmm. of playing left centre-back because he's more of a left back that's essentially an overlapping full-back who becomes an attacking winger. Yeah. So I think he's only there if we do a different sort of style where we don't do this this back 3 mm-hmm. So I don't know who starts this game then. Maybe, maybe it's Lovitz again, because again, he doesn't have that much international experience, mm-hmm. right? So maybe it's Lovitz. And we've got Lima and Lovitz like we did in Greg Berhalter's very first game.
1: I mean, that, my argument. that could well be. Uh, I would not mind seeing Anthony Robinson because I wouldn't mind seeing him with a few more, like, proven players who have kind yeah. of experience doing this and see if he... Not,
0: not in a Dave Sarrikin system, but in know, a Barhalter system. Yes, yeah. exactly.
1: Because I, I would just like to see if he definitely can or cannot do this. If do he what? can't, Like, do that role of, like, slide inside, be a kind of a third center I mean, back. I'm
0: going to tell you now, he can't. Because okay. doesn't play to his strengths. Because you're asking him to not go forward at all, and I think that's just asking him to not be Anthony Robinson. Yeah.
1: I mean, that's fine. I would still like to see if he could do that. Like, that's kind of where I am with it, is like I know okay. you feel very strongly about that. Yeah. I feel like it, it it's possible, and I wouldn't be surprised if Greg Berhalter wanted to give it a go because it is an experimental game before the Gold Cup. That said, I also wouldn't be surprised if it were somebody like Tim Ream or Daniel Lovitz. So, so
0: who are we going to put on that piece of paper?
1: I actually had Tim Ream in there uh, because right. that feels like a spot where he... Could potentially thrive? And maybe also if Burhalter is kind of trying to evaluate his many different centre-back options, maybe he just wants to make sure that Tim Ream is up for the occasion.
0: Should we say Ream slash Lovitz? Yeah. Because in That's the probably. end, I think it's a weird thing where because it's... If mm-hmm. it is the left-back who sides into left centre-back... It's just a not very exciting position. Mm-hmm. Because the right-back thing is so intricate and exciting, the sacrifices, the left-back thing gets very dull. Mm-hmm. And so you get a player who doesn't go forward, so Remo Lovitz could be full in that role. All right. Yeah? There we okay. go. Okay. And maybe, like, late in the game, um, if we accept my supposition that Robinson is more of an attacking left-back, if there's a change in system, then maybe Robinson could come in, get 30 minutes for Hotter as a more attacking left-back late in the game.
1: There we go. Okay, we, that's we, we may see that. We shall see.
0: All right, in the number six role... Mm-hmm. The exciting option would be to get Jackson Yule to do it, right? To start Jackson Yule there, because he has got this beautiful range of passing that we've seen uh, when he plays for San Jose. I think it's Bradley or Trap to
1: start, though, yeah, Because right? mm-hmm.
0: you you go with something a bit more experienced.
1: My guess would be it's it's Bradley and then maybe Trap against Venezuela or vice versa. And Jackson, you will get some minutes in one of the games.
0: Okay. So we'll just pencil Bradley in? Yeah, that we'll, works for me. We'll, we'll pen Bradley in? Uh-huh. Uh, yeah. Let's hope Jamaica don't pen
1: Bradley in. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and then moving ahead, if we're going to go with the kind of like... I have it as like a four one four one, but yeah, the two midfielders yeah. ahead of what, who we think will be Michael Bradley. It's
0: sort of an it's sort of either two eights or two tens. Yes, it's two eight slash tens.
1: Yes, yeah. and there are several different options, uh, some of whom are in this roster, some of whom are not in Pulisic the roster. Pulisic will be
0: one of these when he's back, I think. Yes,
1: but Pulisic, as we know, will not be there for the game against Jamaica, mm-hmm. so you remove him from the equation. I have a feeling that Weston McKinney is—we have him as, like, our guaranteed definitely going to be on the Gold Cup squad. So if you're thinking of this as, like, bubble players, I'm not sure he gets— that many minutes or even starts Yeah. again he may well maybe it ends up being Berhalter playing his strongest possible team but I think you're more likely to see at least in my opinion somebody who's like done it before I think this was a point that you made uh, like somebody who's done it before but isn't necessarily going to be a starter and then maybe somebody who's new to the equation yeah. which is my way of saying I would very much like to see Dwayne Holmes give yes, it So here. this is a
0: big thing right Dwayne mm-hmm. Holmes has finally been called up for the US national team And if you see him for Derby, he hits some beautiful through balls. He also is pretty good at, like, making some defensive plays. He looks like a guy who could really contribute. So should we say, at least in terms of what we want, we want to see Dwayne Holmes start. Yes. Because we want to get a good look at him.
1: Yeah, we do. I'm also, like, kind of impressed by, as you work this out with this 29-player roster and sort of, the gaps that we've identified, it all makes a lot of sense because I just like ticked off who are the maybe possible four players or possible players who could play this role. There are four of them. So it does yeah. make sense that you could do like two in this game, two in the next game, uh-huh. and then Weston McKinney eventually takes over because I don't have him in those four players. And
0: Christian Pulisic comes out from the outside and eventually takes a roster
1: spot, right? So too. it's what, five guys playing for... So it's if, if you add Pulisic and McKinney, it's six players playing for two spots, basically. So two four spots. spots? Yeah, yeah four yeah. spots total. So two have to lose out. So yes, I think then you're looking at... Uh, maybe you put Sebastian Legette in there to evaluate I he his was, fitness. Yeah, hoodie heard he was an
0: injury. Mm-hmm. Concerned that he might not even be able to go for this game. Yeah. So
1: can we rule him out just in case he's not fully fit? Sure. Which, which Just then, to make our lives easier. <laughs> which, that's fine with me. Which then uh, leaves us with either Christian Roldan or Georgi Mihailovic. And that feels like a Christian Roldan start to me.
0: I think it's Christian Roldan. I think Christian Roldan understands the system. Um, even better than someone like McKenny, who's only played mm-hmm. it once and not that successfully. Him and uh, Jordan Morris had all that confusion, yep. remember? So there's an argument that McKinney needs reps but maybe he'll get the Venezuela game. And if you mm-hmm. haven't seen the Gold Cup draw, we open against Guyana. Yep. So we open with an easier game and then it gets tougher with, it's Panama and then Trinidad and Tobago. I'm not mm-hmm. sure in which order, but the easier games first, right? So McKenny can build up maybe. The, the way Venezuela. you read the
1: group to me was Panama, Trinidad, Guyana. But if it's Guyana first, then I have no idea. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's all very confusing.
0: So we're going to say Christian Roldan. I think right? we are
1: because also like Georgi Mihailovic, while we're both excited about him and we've enjoyed what we've seen from him for the most part for the US national team, I also think if if you are going to start doing Dwayne Holmes, which we definitely want Greg Berhalter to do. Dwayne Holmes and Georgi Mihailovic, that might be a little bit too much like change there versus uh, Christian Roldan, I feel like, can kind of help shepherd along Dwayne yeah. Holmes if the situation requires. And it's
0: worth reminding people that the Gold Cup roster, mm-hmm. the, Greg Berhalter has to make a decision by Wednesday midnight. Yeah, right. So basically after this game, he's got to do the press conference mm-hmm. and then probably some paperwork to send off the roster to CONCACAF. So what I'm saying is if you're going to decide on Dwayne Holmes... This is the only game to play him yep. because by Venezuela, it's too late to make the decision whether he's in the Gold cut roster or not.
1: All right, here's a really difficult question that I'm going to put to you on the fly, and good luck. Yeah. If Dwayne Holmes does not play tomorrow, if we don't see him starting if he doesn't get any minutes tomorrow okay does that make you feel more confident that he makes the gold cup or less confident as in has he already much made it we don't need less to see him confident okay you
0: don't want to name a player to a roster who's never made his international debut okay right yeah he might look great in training but could fall apart on the international stage you right, so then... also don't know if he can go out on the field and follow behelter's instructions mm-hmm. and be part of that team plan
1: yeah right very good point okay yeah. cool all right answered much more answered. much more readily and easily than i thought it would yep. be all right so where are we now
0: We've got our four and our three. Okay. We need our two wingers and our centre forward to start this game.
1: This is strangely one of the spots that we have a lot of question marks around. Yeah, uh, or like just the attack in general because we have we're unsure about like who the definite two other centre backs will be, the third string goalie. There's some question marks, the other left back. But here, I have like we're not sure. Is there a second striker? Who are your other three wide attackers for the purposes of this, of like the goal cup roster and maybe this game? So there's lots of question marks here, and there seem to be a lot of options that could uh, negate some of those question marks.
0: Here's what's really interesting: mm. in previous games, we have seen Corey Baird on the right yep. and say uh, Paul Areola on the left. Right? Corey Bed is in the preliminary roster. Mm-hmm. He doesn't make this 29 man roster, which no. suggests he's kind of on the outs. And honestly, even though he followed instructions well, and I think he had one assist in the first ever game, first ever Bear game, he has not impressed, right? He hasn't impressed fans, he hasn't mm-hmm. impressed media. I'm going to assume that Bear is at least concerned enough that maybe he can't do it. So I think he's on the outs, mm-hmm. the fact that he's not on this 29 man roster. Jonathan Lewis on the preliminary roster has played before, has been coming off the bench a lot for Hotter, mm-hmm. but making an impact. He's got two assists off the bench, right? Yeah, yeah, that's right. But it was weird that he was added late. It was originally a 28-man squad, and then we just added Jonathan Lewis kind of a, a day later. Mm-hmm. I don't understand why that is. I don't know if maybe he was carrying a knock or maybe he almost wasn't included. So I, then yeah. that makes him bubbly to me. makes him on the bubble. <laughs> Am I using that correctly? It makes him bubbly. A, it's an American phrase to me. I don't quite understand it, but I assume on the bubble means like... If you're inside the bubble, you're, like, on the roster. Mm-hmm. If you're on the bubble, it's like you're on top of it trying to penetrate through.
1: I have no idea. Yeah? But sure, that, that,
0: that sounds good. It is good. a phrase that people use, though, right? Not I'm it, right? I'm assuming
1: – I always put it as, like, like, between one thing and the other, the bubble has risen up. So if you're, like, not safely on one side or the other, then you're on top of the bubble. That's okay. the way I yeah. see it, as, like – in the gold cup squad not in the gold scu- cup squad and then there's a bubble separating the two oh. and you're sitting on top of the bubble undec- undecided as to where you're going to oh get that's an interesting way mm-hmm. to look at it I, I, I it.
0: imagine the 23 players or say, like, say there's like 17 players who are already definitely on the roster I imagine them all sitting inside an actual bubble right. <laughs> and everybody else trying to pierce it <laughs> like the dome in the Simpsons alright I <laughs> okay, so they're trying to get out right so yeah I think around.
1: once you pop the bubble though to get in doesn't it oh no you've got to it of... like
0: it's permeable okay. it's permeable once you get a pass <laughs> alright yeah um, <laughs> which is to say your
1: bubble situation confuses me
0: um, so basically See what I'm saying is I don't think Bertholdt is fully happy with his wingers in mm-hmm. the past Jordan Morris played on the wing and essentially looked kind of confused yeah. about what the job was so I think the wing spots are up for grabs and the name that everybody should be looking at is Tyler Boyd
1: yep Tyler mm-hmm. Boyd right yeah I mean uh, we have him uh, I think as a not Terence
0: Boyd Tyler Boyd yeah
1: as a uh, right winger uh, for the US uh, for Ankara Gajou last season he was uh, kind of swapping wings but he is uh, yeah. he is right footed but plays on the we left we watched for to just to double check that he's yeah. right footed yeah. and then when he plays on the right he stays wide and uh, either looks to like beat defenders with pace and then get him behind or to cross the ball from that right channel that seems like what Greg Berhalter would want yep. from Tyler Boyd so I think it makes sense to start Tyler Boyd yep. on the right wing similar to Dwayne Holmes as well that if you're not going to play him do you really want Tyler Boyd getting his international debut in the Gold Cup I don't know mm. So why not give it to him here?
0: Uh, Do you want to do a quick Tyler Boyd primer, or as Jim Brochard would prefer, primer? Mm -hmm. Um, Just if people aren't familiar, he did a one-time switch. Mm -hmm. Tyler Boyd did a one-time switch from New Zealand to the United States not so long ago, Mm -mm. right? Which really suggests that he's possibly already got a gold Cup spot since he was persuaded to do that. Um, If you look at his appearances for New Zealand, he only has like eight. That's not because New Zealand didn't want him. It's because he kind of realized or decided, "Uh, actually, I'd rather play for the US. So he Mm -hmm. stopped accepting New Zealand call-ups before he played in, like, an official qualifier where he would have been tighter than forever. Mm-hmm. Um, so what do we know about him? Fast. Very, very, very fast. Um, got a few tricks, right? Nice, Some nice cuts and cutbacks. Um, and not afraid of cutting inside and shooting. So he's a guy that we can potentially be super excited about.
1: We can. I'm a little more excited about him from the way that you just explained it because, to be honest, my understanding, like, of Tyler Boyd, not saying it's correct, but just kind of the way it's formed in my head is that he wanted to play for the United States and when he thought it was an option, that's when he aggressively pursued that one-time switch. It has never occurred to me that he was being like recruited by U.S. soccer simply because that's not... Really been the case for the U.S. soccer in the past. They haven't because we've not been that good at especially it, especially <laughs> in very recent history. So I think that's how I understood it. If it is that U.S. soccer sort of identified him, got excited about him, I'm sure there's there've been many, many blog posts and message board comments about Tyler Boyd. Yeah. maybe it goes that way. That does make me a bit more excited. That said, I'm already very excited to see him,
0: and I just want to see this barehanded system with mm-hmm. some real danger on the wings. Yep. And so I think I think I've only seen highlights, and obviously highlights are the high points. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's what we'll get from Tyler Boyd. I've got him starting on the. Right wing um, in my
1: team here. All right, and I have Jonathan Emond starting on the other side.
0: Ooh, okay. So this goes away from the experience, right? Mm -hmm. Like in terms of balancing it out, we just go in fully. Two guys you've never played for uh, for uh, Berhata before, right? Yeah. Let's Wait, just has has
1: Eamon not played for him before?
0: I don't think so. He's been okay. uh, he was played under Sarakin. he okay. hasn't. He wasn't called into a team under Belhadj. All right.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah. So maybe you you get them both some experience. Although probably more likely is that it's Paul Ariola on one side instead of one of them, yeah. right? But
0: maybe one of them subs in later. Yes. I also honestly I wouldn't be surprised if say Dwayne Holmes doesn't start and mm-hmm. just get just comes in later. Yep. I just much prefer to teams. Yeah. I think I think we're yeah. doing
1: a combination of what we would like to see with a little bit of what we think yeah. might happen. Um, and that's where maybe it is Ariola Eamon subs in. Maybe it's Jordan Morris and Tyler Boyd subs in or yeah. vice versa, but I think we well, definitely... Well, we want someone
0: who knows the system, and that's not Jordan Morris on un- e- un- recent evidence. Not so much. Yeah.
1: Not so much. Then does Jordan Morris start up top?
0: No. Okay. Because
1: there are too many other, like... Because
0: uh, <laughs> Morris has been a winger say, for say Seattle. firm no. He's been a winger for Seattle yeah. this year, right? The more pure center forwards mm-hmm. are Josie Altador, Giassi Zardes, Josh Sargent.
1: Do you feel weird that you just said the more pure pure strikers is... Jesse Zardes? Because that's kind of confusing to me. Still. I mean,
0: his favorite position is definitely yeah. center forward. I He'll know. do Wing as a favor to Jürgen Klinsmann. <laughs> Whereas Morris kind of thrives sometimes yeah. playing wide. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Zardes, you cannot say thrives playing wide. He's definitely always thinking, correctly, I should be playing center forward instead, right? Yes. So the actual center forwards are Altidore, Zardes, Sargent. My guess is uh-huh. a lot of US fans would prefer to see Sargent because they just want to see Sargent play. Um, his form towards the end of the season for Bremen was not great.
1: Josie Altidore... I think in order to have form, you have to play.
0: Yes, well, yeah. The more rounded, experienced, better center forward right now is Josie Altidore. It's Jasmir Volmi-Altidore.
1: Just looking out the window for things to be flying in that people have thrown at you.
0: Uh, people, but- for some reason, people don't want to hear it, but he's our best striker. Yep. Josie Altidor is our best striker. Yep. He hasn't played for Berhalter yet. I want him to start at center forward.
1: I think that's fair. I yeah. think he will. Uh, because you, want, you also want to give him that kind of match to get used to it a little bit to get back into it, but also against a Jamaica team that are going to be figuring things out themselves, yep. yeah, you go with Josie Altador, you let him dominate, and uh, I think he probably will. I think he will look very strong, and then maybe we see uh, Josh Sargent in the second half or get into yeah. minutes later on. I think that's possible. And I think most of that is because I do think, of strangely, of those strikers, even though I think we probably end up seeing all three of them make it uh, between Sargent, Zardes, and Altador. Yeah. If I had to bet, I would say the one who is most safely on there is Josie Zardes, and because like, of his pre-existing health, Exactly. I think yeah. Berhalter knows what he can get, about, get out of him, knows that he can execute if given the instructions and, and can do what's asked. Some people would disagree, but I think we saw him, even if it didn't necessarily lead to like, tons of shooting opportunities, I yeah. think he did the workmanlike job that mm-hmm. he needed to do. And so I think he's probably in there, and I think it comes down to Altidore and Sargent getting minutes in this game just to maybe make, sure, make Greg Berhalter feel a little bit better before he submits that roster.
0: And I feel weirdly confident that Altidore in a Berhalter system will thrive. Because remember, like, we used to get frustrated with Altidore, especially under Klinsmann. We would kind of see him just standing up front. Mm-hmm. And I think maybe it's that there were no good instructions. Yep. Whereas with Berhalter, the centre forward has a lot of instructions. It's about sort of moving around, sometimes coming deep, um, like trading places with other players like to open up space for them. I think if he's asked to do it, Altidore's very capable of doing it. And then he's just a good finisher. When he's in on goal, Josie is a really good finisher. So I, I think he's going to thrive in this system.
1: I haven't seen him in, like, consistent games long enough to say that for sure uh, because, like, with the end of the season, Champions League, and then the start of the Women's World Cup, uh, I have not watched nearly as much Toronto as I have in probably years past. I saw his uh, first four or five uh, games
0: back after injury, mm-hmm. and he scored a bunch of goals. All right. Put it that way, yeah. Okay. <laughs> that, that'll
1: work. That'll work. Um, yeah, uh, but I also think it's the kind of the beauty of Berhalter's system is that a lot of times with door. The issue has been if he's up top by himself in a 4 that doesn't always give him the support he needs around him. Yeah. Uh, if you put him like, partnering somebody, then you lose a lot of your kind of strength in the midfield, and it tends to be then the whole team kind of drops back to fill those gaps. With this system where you have kind of people sliding around, I think it does suit him because it ends up being he still has wide players to play off of and combine with, but he still has those two number 10s now. Yes to combine so, with, right? Exactly. Yeah. yeah, so he has more support around him to put him in better positions, and I think that benefits him overall.
0: It's worth remembering he's also very good at combinations. I can see, like, Boyd plays it into Altidore. Altidore receives it. Maybe gives him, like, one of those little Billy Baldwin Mm -hmm. drag-back reverse heel flicks for Boyd to run onto. I can really see all that happening. Yeah? Yeah. All right, should we talk about our opponents? Sure. Any, any other roster players you want to talk about, like you maybe want to see get in there? Um, Sorry, no, I'll change track mid-sentence. No,
1: not necessarily. It's, it's just uh, I want to know about Sebastian Leggett's fitness. That's, yep. that's one that we'll probably need to evaluate. Uh, I, I really have concerns about left back, uh, which was probably already clear in the way we talked about it previously. Yeah. We but sort of disagree
0: just, on what's going to happen, right?
1: It's not even necessarily that. It's just that like I think Anthony Robertson still has a lot of potential and I think could be a very good left back for the United States. But if Burhalter is going to kind of, like, continue to do this system, as you said, I don't think it naturally fits Anthony Robinson. It doesn't. And so then you're kind of potentially excluding a very good player from most of your games unless you're not playing the system. And then right now, like, as we've already said, the options are, what, Lovitz, Ream, Aaron Long. Aaron Long, then you're pulling out of potentially starting at center back because he's looked very good there. That to me feels like the weakest position right now for the United States. And mm-hmm. I would like to see how Greg Berhalter addresses that and who he puts in there and what that person does to either uh, make me feel a little bit better or make me feel a little bit worse.
0: Oh, one uh, tangent, um mm-hmm. bit, bit of a thought experiment. Do you remember what uh, uh, Berhalter did with Yedlin? So Yedlin mm-hmm. can't play that right back Tyler Adams Nikolima style where you go into central midfield, but he had Yedlin essentially play right wing. Yeah. Right? So maybe. He does the same with Robinson yeah. at some point. We could maybe see Robinson just as a straight-up left winger. I think that would be more to his strengths if you're going to find a role for him within the national team and that left-back role is not a role where you get forward. Mm-hmm. So that's possible too.
1: It is. It is. It just it, it feels like we don't... And maybe with Yedlin, even with what you've just said, we still kind of don't necessarily have answers for those two. And, yeah. and really, like... I, I think you have to do that because, yes, there's a chance that if we're playing like a standard back four and they're not going to kind of move around, then you have those two. But is that worth burning roster spots on DeAndre Edlin and Anthony Robinson so that when we do that, you can have those two? But if we're doing something else and you don't have those two?
0: Yeah, they've almost got to be on there as extra wingers as well, right? Yeah. So maybe some wingers lose out.
1: So, right? yeah. So I guess that's that's – where I am is that there, it feels like there are some boxes that I don't quite know how to check off, yeah. and I would like to have some answers coming probably out of the Gold Cup is a yeah. fair I, uh, request. It's
0: also we've only had four bear hotter games, mm-hmm. right? Um, and some of the opponents early on, the first two were not so hot, Mm-mm. right? It was a sort of bad uh, Panama and Costa Rica team uh, teams. So yeah, after the Gold Cup, we'll know a lot more. I mean, mm-hmm. Trinidad and Panama, the actual Panama team, will be proper opponents, yeah. and then. Eventually, hopefully, we play like a Canada, Mexico, something like that. I mean, shots fired
1: at Guyana, but sure. (laughs) All right, yeah, so now should we talk Jamaica? Yes, let's talk Jamaica. Jamaica.
0: Um, So their roster, names maybe we should know from the Jamaica Mm -hmm. roster. Let's just do like who people should look out for, and I think it has to start with Leon
1: Bailey. I agree.
0: Yeah, Mm -hmm. so Bayer Leverkusen winger, so he's playing the Bundesliga. Really dangerous Bayer Bayer Leverkusen winger. Mm -hmm. The guy can dribble, he can go outside, he can shoot, he can do pretty much a lot of things that we should be worried about. I think you're playing the right wing so that means that 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 Reem Lovett maybe Robinson spot is is going to have something to contend with yes yeah
1: Yeah. I, I I worry about how the US deals with Leon Bailey I worry about how the United States deals with Kamar Lawrence, uh, when, he, oh, Lawrence when he gets to attack and right? he's rather fast yeah. as has been uh, talked about much this season uh-huh. uh, so if he's making runs out if he's like if you've got him and Leon Bailey combining or on overloading one side or splitting I don't know, know in where difference.
0: Lawrence plays. He, plays he plays right back or left back or both I mean I think he
1: can do he wants to be okay. that's that's my, gonna be my guess um so i think it will be a a very like direct and like uh, attacking but like f- like uh, fast attacking Jamaica team so how the United Dramatics
0: States Dramatics yeah. has a burst as well
1: yeah so how the US kind of deals with that while trying to implement their game plan without mm-hmm. leaving themselves too vulnerable uh, I think those are all things to watch for I think between the sticks you've got Andre Blake yes. would be the expectation if they start their strongest possible yeah. team uh, and Andre Blake I've been hyped about since I previewed Philly like four seasons ago I think it was or three seasons ago and he continues to reward that hype (laughs) uh, with justified solid performances and going up against a like experimental attack potentially. Uh, Like if he's on his game, could definitely frustrate and could potentially like really uh, have some players making their debuts not have that good of debuts.
0: (laughs) Because he'll be saving their shots. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, So the basic tactical thing is the U.S. will possess the ball, right? Greg Berhalter, positional play. It's about moving the ball around side to side, players rotating positions and eventually unsettling or unbalancing the opposition in some way so that you can then exploit the gap. Mm -hmm. But if you have the ball for a long time, you're in danger of being counterattacked, yes. right? If you're being counterattacked by Leon Bailey, suddenly you're in trouble. Yes, <laughs> so yes, that's, that's the basic setup of the game. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's all I have to say on it. Is there anything else you want to you want to add before we before we close down?
1: No, nope, that's about it.
0: All right, then I will say uh, once again: the game is Wednesday night, 7 p.m. is the listed kickoff time. It's gonna be later than that, honestly. Um, on Fox Sports One and Unimas, we'll be back late Wednesday night to review that game. Jo. Zhao. Joe Zhao. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Just got to get that name in there because I think we said literally every other name on the roster. Yes, let's except talk, for Joe Jow. Let's
0: talk Joe, Joe Jow uh-huh. for a second then, right? So he's been playing, what, two Bundesliga? Uh-huh. No one saw this call-up coming. No. Well, especially no one saw his name on the preliminary roster Mm-mm. come in and he's on there. I wouldn't be surprised if he gets some minutes in this game.
1: I mean, I wouldn't either, but I'm also not quite sure uh, i'm not sure if this is like more me being out of the loop uh or just it hasn't been made clear but i'm not even sure why joe Jiao is in the squad as like I think harsh as that sounds him. yeah but like and he wasn't happy
0: with his wing option so he's yeah. kind of trying everything that's why like jonathan Ayman, yeah. tyler boyd's been called mm-hmm. up and joe Jiao as well we'll see what yeah. he can do
1: there we are yeah i mean maybe that's the best way to put it is just uh i'm like it's nothing against joe Jiao, it's just i again i like to think of us as like okay like like we've got all these exciting players and Christian Pulisic and blah blah blah, blah. and then it's like, yeah, we're gonna go like Duisburg and Bundesliga two. Let's we'll see what happens. He made seven starts, <laughs>
0: so he is right-footed. Mm-hmm. Can play on the right wing or yep. the left wing. I think he's more likely to play on the right wing. And I don't know. I mean, I'm weirdly excited to see him because we've seen so little of him recently.
1: Is he another one who, if we don't see, then we should probably go ahead and say, yeah, he's probably not making that squad.
0: I mean, yes, there's a lot of players who you would put in that category. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. I
1: mean limited sub- substitutions as well. I think you've only got what, like six? six? Yeah. yeah. So. Uh, I'm not sure we're going to get to see all of the people we've discussed since we've discussed about 40 people. Yeah, roughly. We discussed the bubble players. We sure right. have.
0: Yeah. Um, okay, so now we really are done. Mm-hmm. There's not any more mystery now. You want to check one more time on your list? Is there any more names that uh, could could be could be coming up there? I think we said everybody. All right. We'll see. <laughs> then I will say Taylor Rockwell. Mm-hmm. Thank you for taking the time to talk to me today. Right, I got you, buddy. Listeners, thank you for listening. Before we do the Jamaica Review, there's also groups E and F of the Women's World Cup. Our previews will be published um, on Wednesday afternoon slash evening. I hope you'll listen to them. Hope you listen to ABC and D as well. Thank you for listening, and we'll talk to you again soon.